0: You're listening to bits and pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And I'm Michael Edwards, out of Denver, Colorado. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net/slash support to see some ways you can help us out. Well, it's episode 55. Yeah, 11 times 5. Yeah, I love that. I love both of those numbers. So any combination of the two, great. Uh, anyway, we have a full rundown here, a lot of topics to talk about, but, um, we like to start with the easy stuff, with the light stuff, <laughs> with the funny stuff. Um, I found this really uncomfortable version of Toto's Africa, uh, which is dubbed Afrikand. Um, <laughs> I really like, we get samples for other stuff we're going to talk about that, but this one I don't want to spoil. Definitely <laughs> don't want to spoil. Um, it, it's, I I really do, I really want to know how this is like, what kind of voice synthesizers is happening here, but basically it's like a cheap MIDI cover version of Toto, but then the vocals start and the vocals are like, I don't know, <laughs> as if they had drugged Miku Hatsune. Um, it's just, I don't, what is this? What, I, have you ever heard this voice synthesizer anywhere before? Because it sounds horrible.
1: It sounds like, you know, like 20 cents off the pitch or, you know, something close. And it's like, it's not a tremolo, but it's got some like uncomfortable vibrato, vibrato to it. Yeah. Like, ah, like a nervous shake. It's not like a guy doing a Nervous Shake, like, in oh, Africa, like, I don't know.
0: It seems like somebody really puts some work in it because usually if you're like using synthesizers, um they are usually very much on pitch. Yeah. And to get them so off pitch, you have to do a lot of pitch <laughs> bending on your keyboard unless this is some kind of voice synthesizer like a vocoder where somebody actually sang the song and then it turned out like this that would make a lot yeah. of more sense the uh, quality of the voice
1: also sounds like to me the particular kind of crappy mic recording that's like those, like, mics that have a direct cable built into them that goes straight to yeah. quarter-inch or even to headphone size. And it's like, yeah. this is like, you know, some $5 Radio Shack. It will send some kind of electrical signal to the computer. Um, it's that kind of crappy sound.
0: Yeah. Are one of those like toy karaoke microphones that have like built-in yeah. auto-tune because that's probably what it is. It's like a broken version of auto-tune where some of the notes are just slightly detuned for yeah. some reason. You, or you another. can't
1: find like a sample of just one second of that voice to throw in, so people are incentivized to go check out our show notes.
0: I will do so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I will do so. it's a whole experience worth having and i mean toto's africa is already one of the silliest sounding songs that <laughs> exists that people know about it's just like do, 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 do. it's just do, like do, 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 do. it's ridiculous but i <laughs> love it i love it <laughs> oh it's a great song it's just ridiculous <laughs> um we also have this uh adult swim it seems like they do this every once in a while like these little like it's not a half hour it's not a series it's a 10 minute special and then
0: they broadcast it at like four in the morning
1: yeah but somehow it still reaches 50 billion people anyway because it's so good that everyone shares it and you know famously is too many cooks if you haven't seen that one look it up it's just a send-off of all the bad 80s sitcom family shows um, but this one tell us what this one is this new one.
0: <laughs> this is the Lords of synth um a kind of contest between three well semi made up synth instrumentalists um they they're all like uh, <laughs> synth syn <laughs> <synthesities. laughs> uh they're um all like the names are more or less puns or just just. Similar versions of actual people, of actual uh, synthesized players, or just oh, it, synth tests. It <laughs> fake takes place
1: in 1986, and the format is almost like ESPN used to have these. Like, it's like Saturday, like at 10 a.m. for like these crappy. <laughs> it's not baseball. It's not the NFL. It's olympic swimmers and dogs doing obstacle courses like these like yeah. stupid contests except all just wrestling with less energy in it <laughs> yeah but instead of sports it's synth battle
0: yeah and it is an actual battle so um they kind of just like start jamming and then sending each other notes so uh we've got a little sample right here taken from around the middle of that of that battle That's terrific Don't look now, but Carla Windows has executed an
1: absolutely killer tritone which has given Zangelix a rather untimely
0: boner. (laughs) But he's striking back. I believe he's prepping an augmented 18th, which is a piercing atonal screech that only women can hear. (laughs) Horrible, just horrible sonic agony for all females in attendance. Obviously, we here in the booth are fine, but (laughs) women at home would be well advised to cover their ears. Uh, but and you got to give it to them not only did they uh, really nail the look of the video but also the music like the, the composition it's amazing it's awesome yeah
1: um yeah, and this is just like, we were talking pre-show and we always do this instead of saving it for the show. But, uh you know, Too Many Cooks was like, hey, this is funny for a minute. Just kidding. We went all in and we're going all the way out the other side of a black hole of embracing this joke. And it works for some reason. This is the same, like, we are so, like, making fun of slash celebrating and loving this thing uh, on every possible level, taking it to extreme absurdity. And uh, I love this kind of thing. Like I don't know what to call this, you know, micro genre of parody. But um, yeah, it's like nostalgia porn parody absurdism <laughs> or something. How many hyphens are in there?
0: I really love those those slow, uh, little digital shots that Adult Swim does every once in a while. Um, they they recently the reason why I found this was because they recently uh, released a new one called um, "There Are People in This House," which is more like psychological horror. Um, and it also kind of ties back into another fake commercial they once did where the title was just, uh, unedited footage of a bear and then it turns into this horrible commercial that (laughs) is like a drug trip. Um, really, uh, go down the rabbit hole. Once you once you see this video, you can't stop watching videos. They're all
1: rabbit holes, but they're all wonderful trips. So it's worth it.
0: Well, on to more, um, instrument-based topics. Uh, MOOC famously made big, great synthesizers back in the, in the days, and they're still doing it. And they, they have this, like, quality to them that people are like, oh, man, i got to have a MOOC. And people always complain, like, is it MOOC? Is it MOOC? I don't know. <laughs> I should know because I'm German, but I still don't know. I'm just calling them MOOC. Um, and I say MOOC because when you speak American, uh, two
1: O's <laughs> is never O. It's always OO sounding. <laughs>
0: Uh, so, um, famously, I would say that people who go for a MOOC, they're in it for the analog experience. They want, they want to have hardware. They want to have the hardware synthesizer. Um, like in recent years, we talked about this. They've got, they've brought up those hybrid synthesizers where like the controls are all digital, but the audio engine is all, um, analog and, and you can hear the warmth and the tone and, now they've gotten around and brought out an iPad app, which is kind of like the complete opposite of the spectrum.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had used their previous app, uh, Animoog, Um Not like extensively, but I used to, I think even for one or two genetic engine shows, I might've used it for a synth sound just instead of, uh, hooking my laptop up like an animal with the giant sea of cables. I was just like, "Ah, I just want to audio out of my iPad. And I only hit a few notes on, I think it was the semiotic song. It was like, ah, this is easier. Um, but I, I'm interested in this just because I don't know. I see you have this in your notes, like I don't need this and I probably won't use it much, but I kind of want to buy it anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's not that expensive. I mean, $30, usually if you get a great sounding VST synthesizer, you pay upwards of $100. Yeah. um, Which is still fine if you're really using it. Uh, So I'm I'm looking at pictures of this thing and it it really like kind of tries to emulate um an analog synthesizer because you actually have like little virtual patch cables that you have to patch things around around with so i can see how this is like really something nice to play around bit, with but yeah does it only stay that nice thing to play around with or are people actually using it now ios has more capabilities of actually having a sound engine that that works on a i would say professional level where you could say okay i'm gonna record this from my ipad now and it's gonna be in a good quality and i can use it in a song or i can use it live um which i don't believe i don't know if there's a lot going on on android simply for because I of the reason like every android phone is different
1: yeah um i do know that since ios 9 um apple has a plug-in capability for i don't know if this applies to instruments it might just be for effects but um, audio unit plugins are built in which i know isn't the same as some of the other formats for um, plugins but i feel it feels like they're investing in the musical and audio capabilities more and it's not just hey we have low latency from the outset which they got for free from os 10 um but it seems like they're building more. So I wonder, like, maybe today it's like, well, it's a Moog app and that's all it is and you can't really use it with any other apps. But <laughs> I think more and more developers can actually feed things between apps. So yeah. it's going to get very interesting, I think, in the next mm.
0: couple of years. Um, yeah, one of the reasons why I always think, like, this is this just a toy or, like, what is the actual use case of this is... Um, now, I'm I'm not familiar with using so, such apps on an iPad uh, because I don't have one, um, but I would see it like you can only pretty much use one app at a time, or is that not That's true? That's also
1: changing. So with iOS 9 on okay. um, the newer iPads, an Air 2 or a
0: Pro, you can do two apps side by side. Uh-huh. Um, Okay, that makes more sense then. Because I was, I was thinking like, okay, so if I want to have a completely different synth, I have to quit from this one and start up the other one. Whereas on an, uh, a Mac running ableton live or something i just hit a button and it switches the channels and it's like seamless yeah. audio transition uh this is one of the reasons why i always thought like nah it's it's a bit limiting but on the other hand um i remembered back when i uh was still actively playing a lot in in uh, in saltless skies and in a rock band um i i got myself a modeling amp because i always like to have flexibility and i don't didn't want to have like a minefield of of uh foot pedals in front of me i only ever had one Mm -hmm. and so i always wondered like should i just get a laptop and run guitaric on there and just go straight into the pa but i never wanted to get a laptop just for that now like nowadays i really need a laptop for work so now it's okay but um th- this would be would have been a good solution of going like okay i'm just going to run this on my ipad which i already have and yeah in parentheses because i didn't have one if i already had an ipad and i'm in the band and i'm just like yeah let me just play through guitaric. i wouldn't care like i don't need yeah. to have a physical amp behind me
1: mm-hmm. and i know you use the word like toy like is this a toy um not condescendingly but i think a lot of technology goes through that as a natural course it's like it has to be a toy first and then you that's how you explore and then you figure it out and then it gets operationalized and then it's mundane and boring and something else becomes a toy but
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but there i mean there are bands who made. Music, uh, complete, almost completely from toys. Like holy fuck, we used our keyboards. So, Didn't girls do that, that
1: too? I think an iPad only uh, battle.
0: I would, I wouldn't be surprised. Not yeah. iPad only battle album. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen. Um, I, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Beardy Man. Um, who also does like some improvised loopy stuff, the way to Maxile almost does. I think I saw a video where he was setting up for a concert and he had like six iPads or five or six iPads in front of him and they all displayed different stuff and they all are like connected to each other. So I'm, I'm going to look that up and put them in it, put it in the show notes.
1: And I can confirm Gorilla's 2010 album, which was like six months after the iPad was released. Um, The Fall was created on an iPad. I'm sure there are some asterisks
0: involved with created on an iPad. Ah, I I found a video. So we've got one, two, three, four iPads and two MacBooks. (laughs) That's a bit of a man for you. Uh, So next up, we have this
1: interesting topic based on a TED Talk of uh, a different way to note or notate or what's the right word to use for that? Anyway, I would say notate, visualize. Yeah, visualize or notate music. Um, you know, everyone's seen, like, the traditional staff and lines and, you know, bars and lines and sharps and flats and quarter notes and eighth notes. And, and,
0: simple, and symbols that you have never seen before in any other situation. Yeah, situations. you know,
1: these these little dots with varying numbers of lines sticking out of them, maybe connected to other dots. And um, it's kind of this big, complex mess. Um, there's different, you know... Are they Italian words Um, for like, you know, piano and, um, you know, how hard or soft or what kind of mood you're playing these? It's just like, obviously, music is very complex. So any system that tries to capture that in another format is going to end up being a complex system. But uh, this TED Talk and concept of a, a circular rhythmic map. So I only got to sort of skim the
0: video. So tell us, how does this thing work? Um, yeah, well, instead of, um, imagining a rhythm, which is, is usually repeating throughout music. In, in most music, you have a rhythm that at some point just repeats. Maybe it's just one bar, maybe it's two, maybe it's four. And instead of imagining it like a straight line where it goes, where you read it from left to right, you could imagine it like a circle, like a clock going around. And then you notate the hits of certain instruments or certain percussion elements on the circle on, uh, like, it's, it's more like, several concentric circles and each circle has like one element of the rhythm or one element of the melody or I mean, even the melody has rhythm and it usually follows the bass rhythm, uh, not the bass rhythm as in bass guitar, but the mm-hmm. the fundamental rhythm of the song. And then in the video um, they are showing um, like certain styles of rhythm um, that are popular in certain cultures or certain genres and how they all like map to this. And you can kind of really see the difference, which is, of course, you can see it in a traditional notation style where if I showed you the rhythm of a dancehall track and the rhythm of a, I don't know, classical Turkish track, uh, song, um, a composition, um, of course, you would see differences, but in this formula, uh, in, in this way, you can really see easily how things are shifting around how certain notes are um, emphasized and that that's all what what this is about like how do you emphasize certain um yeah certain parts of the rhythm like sometimes you emphasize the three of the the measures sometimes you emphasize the one but what's the three what is the one well it's easier if you can just see a circle and it's like hey sometimes you emphasize the top sometimes the bottom sometimes somewhere in between
1: when I think what throws me a lot with, I've never committed to becoming like fluent in sheet music. Um, I've only like, I, I can very clumsily make my way through it if I need to. Um, and like the, the physical length of a measure is all over the map. Whereas this, yeah. it's it's always a circle and we'll pack more notes in and maybe we need to use a bigger circle if this is a very, you know, there's a lot of 16th notes in this measure. Um, but there's like, just because a measure on sheet music is half the width of the page does not mean it's like
0: it's a long measure it's
1: longer than any other and i know that's something yeah if you commit to learning that thing it, you wouldn't even think about that it's it's not really part of how your brain has is interpreting it anymore because you've learned but um that's i think something that's unintuitive about sheet music is i see 15 notes in this measure but these are very quick notes and um i think this with it's like clock spinning hand kind of approach um it it feel
0: easier to learn um, if I were a beginning musician. Yeah, but then and it also only really works for shorter rhythms or like shorter loops because I mean you make one revolution and then you're back to the start. So uh, there's a lot of change going on. You're gonna lead a lot of circles. But then again, it's like okay, I'm it's just like gonna Guitar Hero though. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen um, synthesizers that operate on a similar basis um, where you can put in the rhythm in the way of a circular map. So it's not a completely new um, paradigm. It's just interesting and to the, just think about what we already know in these terms.
1: And what was that that uh, that arc instrument that was like a, a circular tambourine with buttons and stuff? The oh, yeah. arc watch we were going to kind so, of yeah, follow.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the, the circular step sequencer. Which also makes sense. Like uh, a circle always makes sense for things that loop because a circle is a loop. Yeah. Uh, so why are we even doing the, the no, linear? I'm, notation? I'm still? waiting
1: for the Möbius strip instrument. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm programming this one inside the loop. Wait, which one is the inside? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, the, so the Klein bottle controller.
1: <laughs> the other link we have here is, uh, you know, a famously uh, the the song whose rhythm stumps people until they really sit down to learn it is Radiohead's uh, Pyramid Song because um, it's just very jaunty and it's not obvious on first listen what is happening because um, true to form, the, the drums feel very jazz loose, like all over the map. It's a wonderful song. And uh, they apply this to the circle rhythm, so it's like an example of how this may
0: break it down easier. Yeah. With this circular map video, I've actually learned the rhythm. Like before that, I could never wrap my head around. I knew when it looped. Like there, um, in in this uh, example where the circle is complete, like I always found that point. But everything in between was like, yeah, I can feel it. I could play to it, but I never really got it down. Yeah. Um, there are some older battle songs that are also like this. Um, I think I talked about this where there's one song where I have a different one than the actual one in the song i can completely play that song on drums but i could never play it if you forced me to change my one to their one (laughs) like i don't count i can i can feel the rhythm but it's not necessarily the wrong rhythm but it's a different rhythm
1: (laughs) (laughs) there are no right or wrong rhythms
0: (laughs) okay so tell me what apple fucked up again
1: yes so there was this story that came out like uh you know about a week ago as of recording um that uh this was this kind of blew up online. I saw lots of people that don't normally even tweet about technology were retweeting the story. It kind of just hit this like note of like everyone was ready to be like, "Oh man." And that is um this blogger um discovered a bug that Apple Music, well iTunes specifically and iTunes Match functionality um, had replaced/slash deleted um, his 122 is it 122 gigs or 122,000 songs? It was a giant library, I guess is the point. 122 gigs of music. So wow, that's uh, <laughs> I don't even I didn't even know iTunes could like muster the ability to
0: handle that. Um, it's about 25,000 songs if each song is about five megs.
1: And so when the story hit. Um, I was frustrated by this blog entry because his title was Apple Stole My Music No Seriously. And it was, it just seemed like this clickbaity thing. Um, and because I, you know, this is the fallacy of like, I've never experienced this. He must be wrong. He did something wrong. <laughs> and, uh, it, there's a lot of nuance to this, which of course the internet is terrible at. Um, and so the armies lined up and there was sort of like this, you're an idiot. Why didn't you back your stuff up? He did back his stuff up. That wasn't the point of the article. Um, so shut up people that were telling him to back up. Um, and you know, I think part of the frustration is cause he said he, and maybe this happened too. And this Apple employee was wrong. He talked to an Apple employee and they said, yep, that's what it's supposed to do. And he's like, it's supposed to delete my music. Um, and so that's in the mix. It sounds like the worst possible case of all time. And, uh, just today i i saw a story on mac rumors um apple confirmed there's a bug so this guy was not oh. this guy did not click something wrong um you know there there are ways that your your library can get kind of messed up and i think that's what everyone was assuming happened which is you know say you have a lot of live albums or just fuzzy matching from itunes match um can replace hey you had this version of the song but i thought it was this other version from the store (laughs) and that never the reason i thought he was mistaken is because that never replaces your host machine that only happens if you re-download like say you delete the song and re-download it pulls the itunes store version or if you're on a new to like your phone um and you're trying to pull down your library um so this whole big mess erupted. There's a bunch of people going like, yeah, fuck iTunes. It's a piece of shit. And they're not necessarily wrong. It is. <laughs> um, and then there's people saying, that's not how this thing is designed. You Something is weird here. And so it turns out, yeah, it wasn't designed that way. It's a bug. And um, it was just a big frustrating internet explosion of like, iTunes is a piece of shit. This guy wrote a clickbait article, but he wasn't wrong. Um <laughs> And,
0: um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Um, all, all the bad habits of the internet have been confirmed again and they will continue yeah. just all, all way. the
1: mudslinging in every direction. Um, so thankfully I've never had to experience this mess, but I've also kind of, you know, uh, how I, you know, learned to love streaming and I don't know, Dr. Strange love title this, um, how I stopped worrying and love, love the stream. Uh, I, the, <laughs> local file aspect of my music life is very small it's my own recordings it's my brother's albums it's some of your releases that aren't on streaming um and other than that you know and some other local localish bands that haven't put their stuff out digitally and the rest i just let the stream do it all because yeah fuck that noise <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so easy like uh nowadays i um i i've noticed that for some reason, uh, I think Google Play Music uses a little bit more of my data plan. I think they have a little bit higher bit rate, So I've started downloading some of the songs that I want to listen to before my commute while I'm still on Wi-Fi. Um, but that's still better than having to copy them yeah. via USB. Uh, yeah, but this this whole matching algorithm thing... No single service has gotten that down so far and it annoys me so much. <laughs> um When I was listening on Spotify and Spotify always ha- still has problems with local files. Like with Google Play Music, I'm fine. Then I'm just telling them, hey, please uh, pick up these tracks. Like I'm going to upload them to you. And if I want to hear that song, just give me that version. But Spotify is really complicated and problematic when it comes to this. Because they don't care.
1: They don't want you to be doing that. They don't care.
0: Sometimes I've been, for example, I've got uh, the first two albums by Block Party. I also have as instrumental versions. I still don't know where I got them, but at some point I found them somewhere and downloaded them. (laughs) So I'm listening through an album and like the fourth track, it goes on, because I'm like, wait, aren't there supposed to be vocals in there? And then at mid album switches to one of my instrumental tracks which is in a whole different folder <laughs> and I don't believe it's even tagged completely or maybe that's the only one that was tagged on yeah. the in the MP3 file. So for some reason it prioritizes the <laughs> instrumental version and then it goes back to the vocal versions. And that happened to me while I was like driving and I was like, yeah man, that album now and I'm gonna sing all the way through and it's like and the problem is that these instrumental versions they have like shitty quality like 96 kilohertz and it's it's okay i use them to like learn the guitar parts but i wouldn't want to listen to them actively so spotify please forget that those exist on my hard drive and i mean it seems sounds like from some of your
1: google play experience and then the clearly the widespread you know maybe it mainly affects like bootlegs and live albums and stuff that's not major releases, but nonetheless iTunes match gets it wrong for a lot of things. Um, I don't know that it's... Maybe it's just a really hard problem matching whatever someone has in their library that came from Napster, you know, 3,500 years ago or (laughs) um, something they've tagged themselves after ripping a CD or, you know, whatever the CDDB, uh, the the Grace, whatever databases give you if you use iTunes to pull down album names. Um, There's all sorts of... I get why it's, like, a tough problem. True, but... That means you need to code your software in the most like fail safe, careful way possible, not yeah. to destroy someone's music. Like if yeah. you... I don't know why Apple with their 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 iCloud like music library syncing, um, why didn't they do more of the Google approach of just upload it, don't fuck with it, just upload it and let them play it and use the tags they have. Don't try to match like. Or at least
0: because they know better than you
1: what you actually want. <laughs> you want the iTunes store version which I mean comes back DRM'd. Um bec- Oh yeah, because right. you have to have you have to be subscribed um Actually, I'm not um, sure about that. Anyway, this, this what
0: what they I mean the the algorithm problem it, it is a problem. But what they could all in, not invent but implement is um, with Google Contacts you have this dialogue. Um, if if you go like into Gmail and your contacts, um, it kind of tries to find duplicate contacts and then they present you with them like, hey, is this the same person? We can max, we yeah. can like merge it for you. The deduplication. And, like, th- yeah, that that for those audio tracks like just display to me the um like the, the problem i had with the red vox album where it just had duplicate tracks on google play music just show that to me and be like hey are these the same tracks and i can just say like yes all of them are the same tracks please yes. merge them or no these are different tracks please keep them apart from each other yeah. and like just one of these dialogues i don't have a problem doing it manually but please give me a proper See, way to do I, it manually. I, I think
1: most people do have a problem doing it manually. They want a magic machine they tap once and then they go on their merry way um which but is it's
0: not news that a lot of music listeners are very active about their music listening yeah. yes there are passive music listeners but there are a lot of people who are like i want to have the perfect library and there are a lot of those people
1: yeah do you think this 122 gig library guy wants to go through his whole library <laughs>
0: i think he already did
1: once yeah yeah um so it's a good thing he backed his shit up, because if you're going to have a 122 gig library, you better back that crap up, because you're going to, you're, I mean, human error, you're going to mess up that library eventually, um, or some hard drive is going to mess it up for you when you try to do something.
0: Just hit the delete key once too many, like I did, where I, almost, where I practically deleted my whole EP before release. Oh, but I'm backing my stuff up, so no problem there. Uh, Let's move on. Yeah. Welcome to the gush corner. (laughs) I found something and I can't stop using it. And I won't stop using it until my trial has run out. And then I'm probably going to drop some money on it. Um so I've discovered Sonoworks Headphone Calibration. What is it actually? Um, it's a tool that uh, it started out, I think it started out on the monitor side where um, the monitor calibration, um, you buy this software and you get a microphone with it and then you go through this uh, process of measuring the sound from your monitors in a, in a certain way. Like it, it leads you through it. Like place the microphone here, turn it up to that volume and hit like record. And it like kind of analyzes the way your monitors sound in the position that they are in, in the room that you're in. And then... It like crunches all those numbers together and um, delivers to you a a frequency response curve. Um, It's basically like an an equalizer where it tells you, well, um, when it comes to these frequencies, your speakers kind of suck. They don't reproduce them well. And those it reproduces a little bit too much and then it tries to even it out. So you get a flat response, which is kind of the holy grail of every mixer, (laughs) um, of every mixing engineer, like the flat response, like every... Uh, frequency has the same power, which then again, I mean, human hearing isn't flat, but at least you, had, you have to start somewhere. And <laughs> so they, um, they kind of put this whole process into headphones, but you don't have to do the measuring yourself because that shit's hard. So they took the most popular mixing headphones or studio headphones and measured them in their lab and kind of made some average curves average frequency response curves from those but you can also send in your own headphones and have them measure them or just purchase uh some from their store which are already measured and they come with like a a boutique um (laughs) bespoke frequency curve and they they promise that with the average curve you're like in plus minus three decibel um uh Uh, yeah accuracy and if they measure it for you it goes down to plus minus 0.9 so it's really really accurate Mm -hmm. so I was interested right away because uh, I always mix on headphones like 90% of the time and then I check the volume and the stereo spread on my speakers because I would never do equalizer work on my my uh, (laughs) computer speakers because they just just some logitech speakers for 30 years I still like them I like to use them but I would never just Yeah, it'd be like doing them.
1: color correction through a brown beer bottle
0: <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I always mix on headphones because they at least like represent the, the the frequency spectrum to me well. At least I thought until I put on this effect and it's it's night and day. Like um I switched it on and I thought no. No this can't be right. I mean I knew that these headphones uh, that I'm using the AKG um, K 271 MK2 I hope that's correct. Mark 2 Mark 2 um like a Gundam <laughs> um so I knew they didn't have as much bass as others, which is the reason why I chose them. Like they're not as bassy as the D77 from, uh which one is it again, uh, Biodynamic, um, which they're also in like the same price range. People are always like, ah, oh, do I choose yeah. AKG? or the Biodynamic
1: The M50s are a little bassier too. That's what I'm using. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, so... Right away it gave me more bass, which I'm like, yeah, I know it's not there. I can live with it and I'm not the most, I'm, I'm not m- much of a fan of a lot of bass, but I've gotten used to it using this and I've found the fun of it. But what's more important are like the mids and the higher mids. Like there were some peaks in there and I'm going to post the frequency response curve in the show notes. There are some peaks in there which get really noticeable once you start A being this effect, once you start like turning it off and on every half measure. And it's like, man, these are really tinny. Like, you don't notice if you can't compare it to anything else. But these headphones can be very tinny. And just listening to to a song the whole way through with this effect and then turning it off, I can never go... I don't feel I can ever go back. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: these are still great headphones, but hearing what they are capable of through this calibration, uh, yeah, this is the reason why I'm probably going to drop the money on this afterwards. Because I've... uh, I've had so much fun just listening to, um, my own mixes or just one, of, some of my favorite songs from my, um, yeah, some, some of my, my, my library. It's like everything sounds so great on this and <laughs> it really clears. The, it's not like, uh, it's just uh, removing the tinniness of the, the song. No, you can really, it, you have more definition. You can tell things apart very easily now. And I'm just blown away by this like it works right of the right out of the box and it just does what it promises
1: i haven't gotten to use it yet i I just got my download but i obviously we're recording right now i can't start messing around with it um but i'm very very interested to try this for myself and i see that you know they give you a three-week trial for free and then uh it's 99 bucks uh for to buy the plugins and uh it's a pretty generous list like yeah it's 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 uh, maybe 20, 25 different headphones, but it's all the, you know, common studio headphones. The Sony MDR7506, which is like the go-to $90 headphones. Um, my AK, or not my AKG, my Audio Technica M50 uh, is another popular one. And I've seen, I see a lot of AKG 240s. Um, but then also your, your 271 Mark II is on the (laughs) list. And, um some Sennheisers and you know a, a lot of what people have um and I wonder how far they're going to go on on adding more but yeah this is this is such an awesome thing to exist <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I'm I I can really say that I'm thankful for this existing like this this tool alone will um like elongate the longevity of my headphones a few years like unless they break for some reason and um, and even then i might just get a new pair of the same model like yeah. i would have no reason to change that once i got this uh plugin the only thing i would wish is for some way to just send everything all the windows output through that yeah because make right it a now, virtual instrument it, in the chain yeah yes because right now, if I want to listen to some songs it, I have to open up Ableton Live and listen to that like an animal, and I can't <laughs> scrubble it. And I want to scrubble everything I play.
1: And can you license this to you know Android and iOS so my mobile? Can- yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, there, there are uh, there are multiple settings on there like how not aggressive, but like how pristine, like how how accurate does the algorithm work and you can actually hear the difference between low medium and high and i always just put it on high because <laughs> um my my computer can handle that just give me high and it's really noticeable and i understand that my phone wouldn't be able to pull that off but at least a little bit of um of correction would be really nice like i've gotten to love bass frequencies and what what i also got to say is that i'm really happy that i listened through lots of my recent mixes and releases and there's only one track where i noticed that i really fucked up the the lower frequencies there uh not gonna tell you which one i'm just gonna silently <laughs> to replace it on, for the reader <laughs> i'm just gonna silently replace it on bandcamp but everywhere else it's like man my track has now gotten better listening through it and it could have gone like oh man what I, what did i do here i got to EQ this track again yeah <laughs> and uh speaking of bad frequency <laughs>
1: um <laughs> inclusions in recordings um it turns out this new radiohead album um has man this whole reddit discussion that kind of frustrated me because of like the radiohead fanboy side of it um Sort of the appeal to authority kind of thing. So on the last track on the new Radiohead album, A Shaped Pool is uh, True Love Waits. It's a great song. This version of it I like quite a bit. Um, but it turns out um, there's a 15 kilohertz-ish. It's a little higher than 15 kilohertz um frequency is just a flat line straight through the entire song and uh the audio engineering subreddit picked up on it i mean this is a frequency you can hear unless you're old like me you're 32 um and didn't take <laughs> care of your ears like you you should have um but you know this is well within normal human range hearing um but it's a frequency that if you're in your mid 40s like all of Radiohead and their their producer um their, their audio engineer Nigel Godrick um they just missed it um and it, it's a I think they they found that it was the exact frequency that uh CRT monitors are always emitting um which you know, I think this uh, was also mentioned in this Reddit thread, which is in our show notes. The interstellar soundtrack has this frequency in it because they use CRT monitors as like low latency screens between different parts of the orchestra and the conductor. Uh, Cause we know when you're conducting a giant orchestra, you want low latency if you need to use screens to show his arms moving. Um, so it's fascinating that this made it onto the record and What's amazing even more than that is the people trying to say it's on purpose. Cause I think that's crazy pants. I don't, this isn't some giant artistic conspiracy, like of some deeper meaning on the song. They just missed it. There's a frequency here. They can't hear. They didn't bring a 20 year old in to go, Hey, why is this thing screeching at me? Um, what did you make? So you found this article. I mean, what did you think of this whole situation?
0: Um, I at, at the point where I found the article, I haven't heard the song before, so um, I I checked it out, and at first I was like, "Yeah, if I if I hadn't known it was there, I probably wouldn't have noticed." But as the song went on, it got more and more noticeable, and I think I would have noticed it. Uh, for one one of the reasons being that um, it seems to be on the piano track, and the piano plays the whole way through. And there is a lot of compression on the uh, on the piano. Like you can really hear the gain reduction happening, and with that gain reduction, also the um, this this high frequency noise is like pumping up and down. And that that's always like, it. um, If it was just a constant volume, it would probably fade into the background because our ears work, or our minds, our psychoacoustics work that way. Anything that's repeating in the background, you just tune out automatically but by the fact that it's always pumping in volume it can't really it never really fades into the background and now that i've read this article i can't listen to the song without hearing it so it's kind of ruined it for me um, so I'm waiting, <laughs> for remas- I, I'm waiting for the i'm waiting for the remastered version, version because um the, the person who found it they um put it into their isotope rx which is a tool to clean up audio and, um, you can see a screenshot there. It's um, unmistakable. So even, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> even if, even if you can't hear it, you can definitely see this yellow line at the top. And, um, the, the nice thing about this isotope RX is this is basically Photoshop for audio. So you could just go in and select this line and it re- would remove this whole frequency and you would never hear it again. And yeah, it I'm just waiting for the re-release that does exactly this.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they should definitely do this for the young, the next generation of Radiohead fans to not yeah. hate them. It, it reminds me of I. I need to find and dig up the article for this, but there was we might have even talked about it. There was like businesses were installing high frequency noise emitters to stop teenagers from loitering nearby, and all the you know forty year olds coming to shop were just like, I don't hear anything. Um, we also had
0: that in Germany, and I remember we talked about this in class one day in school. Um, I don't know which subject it was, but that was a topic. And, um, the funny thing was, like, the next lesson after that, we were watching a film in, I think, German or English lesson, and the, the CRT monitor was emitting this really awful noise, which, um, I'm assuming is a different frequency since it was, it's PAL and not NTSC. And our teacher just couldn't hear it. And we were all like, man, can we please turn... Like, we, we finished watching the film, but the, the t- television was still on, just the VCR was off. And we're like, can we please turn the, the TV off? It's it's hurting my ears. I can't hear anything. And she really thought that we were just fucking with her. that We were just like, oh, typical students, uh, they're just making fun. They're like trying to distract me from my lesson. no, that was actually a really loud noise and we could all hear it, but she couldn't.
1: Yeah. Um, and so, you know, based on this, uh, you had the idea to, well, let's test my hearing. How high can I, I mean, you've <laughs> done this before and I hadn't done it in a long time and I couldn't remember. And, and, and the fact that it was a long time means my hearing has changed anyway. <laughs> and, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of online, you know, hearing test generators, or you can just, if you have musical software, you can just fire up a synth and, you know, crank it to whatever frequency you want to test. Um, and I'll, I'll say my results first. Um, right around 15 kilohertz is my, my cliff where I, I stopped being able to hear. It. And I'm not surprised that I can't hear far past that because I'm 32, but also because, um, I was a drummer in some very loud bands and I almost never wore earplugs. And I'm not surprised that I would have damaged my hearing. Um, or accelerated some of the high frequency loss, I hope i've been trying to be careful from now on, so what I have I don't want to lose more quickly now, but um yeah, there's the 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 one we have a link to just does it for you. It just starts around like you know eighty hertz or something super low. Um, is it start at zero even? Um, it's,
0: it starts at zero technically. Yeah,
1: and it goes up and so I just, you know, I hear it getting, you know, thinner and thinner and thinner and then like it just, it's gone
0: <laughs> at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I tried it with uh, this tool and I also tried it in Ableton just uh, using a sine wave that goes up um, because I, I I'm never really trusting those online tone generators because... Is it actually producing that sound in like an audio engine in JavaScript in the background or is it playing a file back to me? And if so, is that file encoded in a way that yeah. it drops off anyway? Because that was the first test I did yeah, on YouTube. Yeah.
1: MP3s tend t- to chop off after, yes. was it 18K or
0: something? Sometimes it's even 15. And that was what happened with the YouTube video. I was watching it in like 480p and it's like at 15, it just, it, it, it's not like it rolled off. It just stopped and I thought, no, that, that can't be true. And then I scrolled through the comments and yeah, people were mentioning that the compression is probably, uh, low passing it way too early. So I just hit up Ableton and what I noticed like between 15 and 18, it really starts dramatically rolling off. But at around 18, it's where I really can't hear it anymore. Yeah. Like 18 to 19, somewhere in that realm. And how old are you? I'm 26 now. Yeah. Um, I have only like, a handful of times have I had a situation where it was, I was at a loud gig. Like maybe I was playing or was just like, uh, yeah, in the audience and I didn't wear uh, earplugs. That happened only maybe three or four times in my life. Everything else I was always, uh, yeah, I was too worried. Now I still listened to music very loudly on headphones not too loud so (laughs) i could have done better but i haven't damaged too much but still i know that age itself is gonna uh, rob me of some of those uh frequencies and it's uh it's such a sad thing (laughs) i don't want it to happen
1: yeah well your eyesight will go too so that's fun um
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it's all I, i already need glasses or contacts rather so i've gotten used to like i can put in contacts and it's like i, I never had a problem like it's these true contacts i'm you can I'm fix eyesight
1: right for a long yeah. time until you get super old and then there's just like well yeah. oh, quad focals for you sir <laughs> um.
0: like i've been wearing these for two days in a row now like i haven't taken them out and it's like you might as well I have perfect shots eyes. Like, yeah, it's like, but it never happened that I've got, that I've. Became, I wish there was a fix and maybe,
1: maybe nanotechnology or gene therapy <laughs> or something will make us be able to restore years in our lifetime. That would be awesome. Yeah. Let these genius audio engineers, you know, like Radiohead's, you know, Nigel is amazing. Like his discography is impeccable. And even this new album, otherwise, sounds wonderful. Um, but it's like let the you know let let Phil Collins still mix his albums and not worry about the high frequencies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: um, I I couldn't go through my uh, own library before the show, but I would have uh, maybe we can do it next time. Just find those old mixing or recording mistakes in our own songs because I know they exist. Like I found this too pronounced bass in one of my songs but even then like i won't go back to like the the things i recorded when we were still in school because that doesn't count i didn't know (laughs) anything at all at that point but let's say uh letters by the astray and onwards like i will probably find some things in there where i'm like why didn't i edit that out or why did i why didn't i re-record these vocals yeah so picks of the
1: week take us away all right
0: picks of the week Uh, My pick of the week is Hope of the States with The Black Amnesias, a track that I think I found way back before, like, using things like uh, LimeWire or torrenting music. I think I actually found this track back in the days where I was actually listening to music through Yahoo Music. Do you remember that service ever existing?
1: Yahoo Music? Oh, man. I... Maybe. I don't remember anything about it. They
0: basically had the model of uh, radio stations that you tuned into where you put in like genre and a subgenre and it played you the tracks. It still exists. Oh, oh wow. Um, To the show notes you go. (laughs) The audio quality was awful, but you didn't know at the time. Um I recorded a lot of tracks off of that, which included the famous uh, Internet Explorer click noise of Windows every once in a while. (laughs) Um, But for some reason, this track I have in a format called M4A, which I didn't even remember existed anymore. Um, But that's just the story of how I got to the track. Um, It's post-rock. It's like post-rock, post-face. It's the (laughs) post-rockiest song that I probably know. Um, for several reasons uh one of them being a lot of tremolo picking on the guitar yeah um with a lot of reverb on there and there are two guitars doing that and they're harmonizing Um but what i really <laughs> love is in the beginning is the the drums they're playing this half time beat and um i always enjoyed playing that on drums it's just very fun to play on on, on the hi-hat uh like But I'm just not going to try to mimic that song. I'm just going to play you a short sample of the the middle of that song. So here's Hope of the States with the Black Amnesias. Yeah, I would say there's a lot of that song that influenced some of the post rockier songs of Salt the Skies. Um, there are lots of elements in there that I love and I have no qualms of abusing and reusing anywhere else.
1: Yeah. I, I like how the song keeps adding layers and, and building an intensity and I'll try to avoid an ejaculation metaphor, but, um, the song really does just, uh, <laughs> it's just delightful how, you know, it, it makes five minutes work and it, it just, it, it goes somewhere with it. And, you know, I, I, I didn't get to identify exactly what instruments, but it sounds like some interesting extra instruments come in about halfway through. Um, it's not just tremolo guitars, all the things, um, to, to add some other flavors, even though it's very, very post rocky, make post face, as you said. Um, <laughs> wonderful track. I could see this being one of those like road trip, like let's just, jam this for the next 5 minutes while I stare at a horizon. So what was your pick of the week? So normally I try to find explain yourself. Yeah, explain myself. I normally I try to find stuff that's not, you know, super doesn't need any help being promoted and isn't mainstream and people uh it's a Radiohead song. I picked a Radiohead song, okay? Um from the new album um which I like quite a bit. Um I don't have a way of ranking it in terms of the other albums because I don't feel like, you know, with a band like Radiohead, I just don't know for maybe even a few weeks where it stacks up, but I don't think it's going to be the top Radiohead album of all time for me. I'm saying more about the album than the song I picked. Um, but I think it's a good album. It's got a lot of good songs and that's more than a lot of bands get to put out very often. Um, so the song I picked was this song called Identicate, which has been a song they've been playing live for years now, at least since 2012 and maybe even further back than that. Um, and there's actually, that's a, a theme on this record is it's a lot of songs that have been floating around in various forms that they finally put to tape, um, including the one we talked about with the 15 kilohertz screech, um, True Love Waits. And this song, I it really mixes a lot of things I like about Radiohead, and I think it's also a mix of other bands you could identify that kind of owned very pieces of this thing. Um, I hear a little no twist. I even hear in this recording almost like a Sufjan Age of Odds kind of uh, silly, not silly, but like tender, goofy sufjan this to it. Um I don't want to say too much, so let's just hear the sample I put together. It's from The Bridge. normally i try to save like the the sauciest part of a song for not spoiling it and you know the song builds up nicely to this moment but I, that's the part i wanted to share um what did you i know you've listened to the album once or twice at least um what did you make only of one song only
0: once only once um definitely one of my favorite songs from the album um I almost I, t- I told you this before the show I almost kind of missed this song um I was waiting for a song that has an explosion in it on this whole <laughs> album because it, it's more down like the whole album was a little bit more down and more calm and uh except for the opening track of of course and now I remember when when I started listening to that song from the beginning again um I always have a strong spatial memory when it comes to music where I like I always remember where I listened to certain songs, except for the songs that I've listened to like 500 times. So I immediately went back to the moment where that song starts and I remembered, yes, I was going to get some breakfast to go, and I was going in the bakery, so I had to take my headphones off every once in a while to interact with people, so I didn't get to actually listen to the whole track, which is completely my mistake. <laughs> uh, so that's why I really couldn't uh, acknowledge the whole song. So I'm very glad that I... I mean, I would have listened to the album again, of course, but um, that I kind of now retroactively discovered this track, and I really love it. Um, yeah,
1: it's one of the strongest ones. Um and I it's also something I've included I'll include a link to uh, one of the live versions um that is floating around and it's a bit more aggressive. I mean it's not it's not like it achieves like a full bodied beat or like, you know, full guitarist or anything, but there's the the album kind of mellowed it a bit, which I think is still great on the album, but um I think if you're kinda hungry for some
0: more teeth in a song, uh check out the live versions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also one artist that I want to add that I think kind of finds itself in this track, uh, especially the part that you mentioned here, like one minute fifty onwards. Uh, I've, I've felt like this is a track by Tortoise where Tom Yox is singing over it, like the, the yeah. recent songs of Tortoise where they also like the, the synth sounds are very similar. The, the, um, mu- the palm muting guitar and the, the drums. It's just very tortoise y.
1: <laughs> tortoise McTortoise face. <laughs> well that's it for episode 55 of bits and pieces thank you so much for listening uh as always we when possible put the songs from our picks of the week on a spotify playlist so you can subscribe to this playlist and uh have a you know giant assemblage of music that we give our thumbs up to so uh find that in our show notes which you can find at sunriserobotnet slash bits and pieces slash 55 and, uh, while you're there, you should subscribe to our show. Um, you know, iOS comes with a podcast app built in. You can actually just search for bits and pieces there and find us. Um, there's some other great apps if you want to subscribe to a podcast like Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts or Overcast. Um, those are great options. Check them out. And, uh, by subscribing, you get new episodes automatically. It's free. We never charge for bits and pieces. This is a free show like most podcasts. Me and Matt love feedback, so uh, hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm at Pseudo Michael, and Matt, you are? At Ecolux, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can go to Patreon.com slash Sunrise Robot. And uh, Sunrise Robot is our sort of our, our parent network that hosts the show, um, created by me and David Lyons from Flipping Tables. And uh, every dollar you send our way helps us keep the lights on, helps us keep episodes rolling, and uh, maybe invest in some of these cool tools to test out and report back on. So... Uh, we love our sponsors, and we want to give a special thanks to our top Patreon sponsors, Benji Robinson and Carolyn Kraut. We love you both so much. Thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.